we were talking a lot about Joe Barry yesterday, obviously, after the Matt LaFleur press conference. It was Devondre Campbell uh, who had taken to Twitter. And again, I'll read it. it is, I kind of alluded to it there in the sports flash. Not going out of my way anymore. I'm not playing through injuries anymore because when bleep goes wrong, they always use it against you. I'm treating everyone accordingly and giving them the same energy they give me. Focus on yourself and your mental. You owe it to yourself. Now, we had that yesterday. And then I know Bill Michaels was talking about it and people everywhere on social media are talking about it. Now it's all over the place. Uh, Keyshawn Nixon also tweeting out yesterday. Uh, so everyone's Twitter coaches stay blessed. Uh, are these players turning on the fans, Rowdy, or are they turning on what's in the locker room? I feel like once you start turning on your own fans, the season starts to become kind of lost. Are these players starting to turn on the fans as Keyshawn Nixon is calling out Twitter coaches and Devondre Campbell is saying that he's only sticking out for himself now and anything you do, uh, they use it against you? Is it fans they're coming after or is it the locker room fracturing there at Titletown? Well, it's looking hard at to it read from, into it all. Looking at it from a fan perspective, for their sake, I hope it's not at the fans. <laughs> right. Because if you're a professional athlete and it's all eyes on you every Sunday, right? Yeah. If you start dogging the fans, that's only going to go downhill for you. And if you start dogging the fans, that's how I know the season is indeed lost. Because if you start lashing out at the people that are buying your merchandise, buying the tickets to come see you, uh, wanting your autograph... It's going to go bad fast. Well, and the other thing is if you start lashing out and, and having confrontations with people online, you better be really, really good. <laughs> like, you better be really, really good at what you do. Uh-huh. Like, a.k.a. Tom Brady could have went on Twitter and talked a lot of trash and, and said, oh, the, you know, the Patriots fan base is terrible and blah, blah, blah. But he was winning Super Bowls. Yeah. Like, they wouldn't have said anything about it. It would have been like a little, it would have come up, but it would have been like a footnote. Mm -hmm. The minute you start to fall and you don't perform on the field, they're going to eat you alive, even more so if you start chirping online. Look at Christian Watson's family. People start <laughs> chirping Christian example. Watson even more, uh -huh. and he wasn't even doing it. That was his family doing it. Yeah. Um What's the fa the family is one thing, but the once you start doing it, like Devondre Campbell right now, like he was a great Twitter follow for a while, and now I'm I'm reading his tweet again. I'm like, are you talking about the fans, or are you talking about you know what's going on there within the locker room? Uh, I'm not playing through injuries anymore because when bleep goes wrong, they always use it against you. Is that is that against the fans? I'm treating everyone accordingly and giving them the same energy they giving me. Well, it's not like he's going to go and meet every single fan. Uh, I'm sure he never even really talks to fans. Well, it's unclear, though, what injury is he pushing through, too, by the way? He had an ankle injury earlier this year, right? Supposedly he had a bad shoulder. So after the season last year, he told the world he was playing through a shoulder injury, uh, which previously wasn't reported, so maybe that's what it is. Now, he's already missed time this year for two separate injury, an ankle cost him three games, and then a neck injury left him out of the field on Thanksgiving against the, the Lions. This dude, Rowdy, who they gave a five-year contract to, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, he's not good. Like, he's yeah, not good this year. I would hope this that this Twitter interaction and tweets, I hope it would be at the coaching staff, mm. and I hope it would be at Joe Barry, even though even that's not going to be good, having a fractured <laughs> a fractured defensive side of the football where uh -huh. it feels like a lot of things are, are falling apart. And clearly... Keyshawn Nixon, Devondre Campbell, those look like two guys that were kind of some leaders in the locker room. Because yeah. remember, Devondre Campbell actually does a Devondre Campbell show up in Green Bay where he brought on like the was Aaron the, Jones, the Dalian Levitts. The, was he it for the Walter Payton Man of the Year, too? Was that Devondre yeah, Campbell? Yeah, he was. Yeah. 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 He, but he, he, he was the guy that had his own radio show on like Wednesdays yeah. in Green Bay where he it seemed like he was kind of one of the leaders and remember he would bring other people on and, and they would talk about how Jordan love was good and blah, blah, blah. And it seemed like Devondre Campbell was really respected inside that locker room. And I think the same could be said about Keyshawn Nixon. He was brought in specifically by rich Passaccia being one of his guys being a special teamer. And it felt like, uh, a lot of the guys liked him, and he was kind of one of those secondary leaders behind Rasul Douglas this year. Uh -huh. And now 
Rasul Douglas came out and said, you know, things aren't right, and then they traded him, which I still I stand by that trade. That made a that lot was a good of sense. Trend. But, yeah, he did, and Matt LaFleur was very adamant that it wasn't of what he said, though. Yeah, and I know. Even though he said it, and then he's gone. I know Bill Michaels rehashed a lot of that with Mike Clemens on their show about how, yeah, he said this, and they said that it didn't, they didn't care that he said it. Timing's but then it, a little interesting. Yeah. I still agree with the trade. Whether he said anything or not, I would have done the same thing. Yeah. But, yeah, now you have Devondre Campbell and Keyshawn Nixon, who also felt like guys that were kind of vocal leaders like that that are now saying stuff. And I think it's even worse because they didn't say it, like, in a locker room setting to, like, the press. Mm -hmm. They said it on Twitter. Yeah. On on Devondre Campbell's tweet, someone um, did a, a, a poll. It says, is this about fans or is it about coaches? And it, it's almost 500 people that voted in it. And you know, it's just getting a sense of what people think the tweet's about. 47.6% of the votes said they think it's about coaches. Uh, 13% said fans. And 17% said both equally. And the fourth option is I just want to see the results. So most people think it's about the coaches. I think it's suite. probably about the coaches, too. Same. If you do it with the fans, you're just going down a really bad hill. You really are. Um I'm looking at some of the responses here, and it was, you know, let's see here. Devondre Campbell's been set up to fail every week. Joe Barry needs to go. I think Joe Barry is playing you out of position. I think the scheme doesn't fit you. Uh, a lot of people saying it's not, well, you're still out there playing. You're a professional athlete. You need, he's not had a good season. And then um, uh, one says right here, and this is a good one, Rowdy. First, Jair Alexander, now Devondre Campbell. And then what you brought up, Rasul Douglas. So the locker room is turning against the organization. Now, Jair Alexander is a very good um, thought thought experiment here. Because what is the Jair Alexander thing? I He's not even out there when they're, the other inactives are out there to stretch and be at the team. So it, it, I feel like it's more than an injury for Jair alexander Rody. Well, I mean, the other thing is when Matt LaFleur took the podium and they asked him about Jair Alexander, he said it was a miscalculation. I... I don't know what how many how many times do either a coach or a GM come out to the podium and say, "Well, you know, we had a guy with an injury, but we had a miscalculation, so we a either should have put him on IR or you know maybe from a different you know the flip side we shouldn't have put him on IR. He's ready to, early." I don't know if I've really heard that much. How about this? Why does a guy practice all week for the last? couple of weeks, three, four weeks, he practices every day. And then come game time, he's a late scratch. How is it a miscalculation every week that he's not ready to go on game day, yet he practices all week? How How is he practicing all week? And then it's a miscalculation when it comes to be Sunday at noon or Sunday whenever kickoff is. How is that a miscalculation? There's something weird about the Jerry Alexander situation, and it's more than just what – a First, it was what a shoulder injury, or was it a back injury, and then it was a shoulder injury. There's there's something going on about it, and uh, I don't know if it's a locker room thing, if it's a Joe Barry losing the locker room thing, or Matt Lafleur, or if it's Jair Alexander's. It's just weird. I don't know what it is, but everything happening right now with the Packers defensively, uh, the season. You look at the rest of the schedule. We were really excited about this stretch here, about how it was so winnable. We were talking about it could be eleven and six at the end of the year. Well, you look at it now. They lost the two games to start this easy stretch. The Carolina Panthers are atrocious. But the rest of the schedule, Rowdy, is winnable for the Packers. My question is, which way will it go? And we're going to find out here coming up starting on Sunday at noon in Carolina because it could go one and two ways. If you lose, if they lose to Carolina, I think we said this yesterday, should all of them be canned, Rowdy? If you lose to Carolina, the Panthers, should all of them be shown the door? Well, I think it's pretty safe to say that so far this season, uh, we'll be 16 weeks in on Sunday, and the Carolina Panthers are the worst team in football. They stink. Can't can't have a hiccup against this team. You already you already had one Monday night against New York where you let Tommy DeVito look like a all pro quarterback. You would have thought that you would have had the wake up before you you played last week. You didn't get it. You went in there and arguably, I think arguably you could say that they played a worse game against Tampa. And now you have to go on the road to Carolina against, by the way, Carolina. Yeah, they're horrible. 
But a lot of teams in that type of situation, they'd be ready to roll over and not care. They'll be like, well, you know, we'll shut down every you know, solid player that might have a little bit of an injury. You know, we want to stay healthy and, and get in the next season all good, right? Yep. Well, Carolina, that's a team that really shouldn't be doing that because A, Carolina needs to try and see if they can get some more growth from a, a rookie quarterback. And B, they don't they they should be trying to win every game. They don't own their own picks. <laughs> like they have nothing to tank for. Yeah. They have only things to play hard for. Now they're not good, but their first round pick is the Bears. Like they <laughs> them winning doesn't really affect their draft. No. I I don't know. I'm I'm actually kind of having some bad feelings about this Carolina game. Yeah, I I'm kind of right there with you, man, cuz the the Packers are going a different direction than where they were after they beat the Lions and the Chiefs. So I went through some NFL games last night and the Panthers when I earlier in the day pulled it all up were were four uh sorry, five and a half point underdogs. Uh-huh. By the end of the night, a lot of money must have came in on Carolina because they oh, really? were down in some places they were down as far as four and a half points. <laughs> so I mean, the line moved a whole point yesterday in Carolina's favor. But the other thing that I was looking at when, you know, you can look at different um stuff that you can bet on. The Carolina Panthers team total was 15 and a half points for Sunday. That felt like the over that felt like I would want the over <laughs> 15 and a half with the Packers defense, giving up all the points they have recently. The, the fracture that feels like they're on that side of the ball, uh-huh. Joe Barry's deep zone, ah. <laughs> Joe Barry's deep zone. <laughs> Carolina over 15 and a half points feels very doable. Oh man. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll do a, a Twitter poll today of how your a gut check on Sunday's game and also what you think the Packers will finish here at the end of the year as the season is dwindling. Now, if the Packers went out, they still have a shot at the playoffs, right? Like if they went out, I think you're in. Yeah. I think if they went out, I do think they're in too. If you, if you lose one, there's a long shot. If you lose, listen, you lose, you're done. But <sighs> the other question is, I mean, I would, would you want to see the Packers in the playoffs? Uh, would you want, no one wants to tank, right? Would you want to see them in the playoffs? Oh, I want them to see. I want to see them do one of two things. Would you want? What about the draft pick too? A win out because you're probably going to be the six or seven seed in the playoffs, and depending on a you know certain matchups, I could see them maybe not not winning or being a threat, but maybe being a little dangerous in the first round if they got the right matchup. Uh huh. Or lose out because then we're looking for the best draft pick. <laughs> I don't, I don't want them to go like one and two or two and one. You know what I mean? Then little no man's land. Yeah. Where they're in no man's land where they probably miss the postseason by a game. And then we'll have to look back on, you know, the seven to 10 games they played this year that were all winnable and how they, they went like three and seven in them or <laughs> it's like, yeah, either win out, or lose out. Yeah, three games For left. All of us. Three remain. Panthers on the road, Vikings on the road, Bears at Lambeau to uh, put the season to bed, potentially. What will the Packers do? How you feeling, Packer fans? As the worst team in the NFL is coming up on the docket in Carolina, though. Early signing day for uh, Wisconsin. RJ, they just got another one. You just flashed something another up. Another one? Well, no, the one you flashed to me. Oh. Emilio! Emilio! Or is it Omilio? I think it's Omilio. Omilio! Omilio! Quarterback out of Philadelphia. Thanks, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Benjamin. Well, he wasn't going to Temple. (laughs) (laughs) By some accounts, uh, Max Preps named him an All-American. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll add to the room. Uh, Not beating out Tyler Van Dyke. But, okay, do we got Tyler Van Dyke? Oh, cor- sorry, corner. I think it's a quarter. Corner. Only one quarterback in this. I was going to say, class, yeah. that's God's little boy. Who is committed to the Badgers? Yep. Bobby Matoyer. So we were talking about the publications earlier, like Rivals, 24 7 Sports, ESPN. So Rivals had them number two in Wisconsin history and 20th in the country. I just pulled up 24 seven. They currently have them ranked 27th in the country, but with the transfer portal 25th. Okay. And now obviously we're just starting to get kids signing. So we'll see how it ends up. But I think one of the, 
One of the things that I was reading the last couple nights about the Wisconsin recruiting trail, it doesn't feel like anyone's going to flip last second. Yeah. And that's like, that's always can be a major worry. There was one that had Miami coming on late. Um, And I'm forgetting who it is already. Speaking of Miami, keep talking. Tyler Van Dyke. <laughs> yeah, Tyler Van Dyke. So he's from Miami. He's, he's got the inside track to be the starting quarterback. Most experience has played at the highest highest level with a higher ceiling than the rest of the quarterbacks on the roster. Did I see that uh, Wisconsin was potentially sniffing around a, a wide receiver transfer from Miami as well? Who's the D lineman? I think no. I think you're right, Rowdy. Yeah. Uh, Zach Halpin's going to join us at seven thirty. Yes, by the way, we talked about this. Um, yeah. Dude, I, don't I don't know, know his name. name, but it's like looking at a, a teammate of his. And like Wisconsin was all of a sudden popping up on his list. I know that there was an in-state recruit that had a final 10 list come out. That was a, I believe a four star that the Badgers were on his list. There was that really good defensive lineman out in Maryland. That was a yeah. top 110 recruit that all of a sudden published his final two teams, and it's Maryland and Wisconsin, Maryland and Wisconsin. So it feels like right now there's not a ton of worry of losing anyone where they have hard commits from Xavier Lucas took an official visit to Miami on the 15th. He's the only one then that has any other little blip maybe on the radar for Wisconsin closing with these signings. But yet all of a sudden we have a transfer portal receiver from Miami. That's in the mix uh, in-state recruit in the mix. And like I said, that good defensive lineman where all of a sudden they're in the mix. So I got a lot of comments here from Luke fickle. Is he out of Oklahoma or Alabama? I have no idea. Lineman. Luke Fickle talks about uh, all of this, actually, oh. um, from the other day. So I'm going to cool. play a couple of clips here. But exactly. on today, Fickle is expecting a good day today. I know we want to do our best job recruiting high school kids. We want to do our best job with guys we've been to have for four and five years. Um, and I think that I think we've done that. I think we're going to have a really good day on Wednesday. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of things that you know, we've known about for quite a while. But, you know, until Wednesday comes, you still kind of hold your breath a little bit. So you said he, we want guys here that would be four to five years. Good guys. Yeah. Uh, that's Isn't it a little tougher now? Well, I think portal? a lot of people are, are soured on Wisconsin football for the seven and five season that they had and kind of the disappointing year with, uh, we know, the cupcake schedule and the Big Ten's now changing and bringing in tougher teams like the Washingtons, the Oregons, UCLA, USC. It's a new alignment. I hope they don't go with divisions. We'll see how it ends up turning out. Yeah, I don't think they will. But obviously, I think one thing that's kind of not being talked about for the Badgers in their recruiting is ultimately you would like to become a top, a consistent top 20 program recruiting kids out of high school. You use the transfer portal to patch things up. I know we talked about that last year with Zach about how it was going to be heavy portal this year, a.k.a. last year, and and maybe some portal the next year, a.k.a. this winter. And then you would like to see more recruiting from strictly out of high school because you kind of filled the, the patches that you were missing in the first two years. I also think that we know that some of these portals are going to be hit or miss. It's like free agency in football. It's like uh, drafting in the NFL. It's going to be hit or miss. And I think most people would say that they had a lot of misses, especially from the hype of some of the transfer portal guys last year. But we knew this was going to be a process. We knew that Luke Fickle had had a ton of success at Cincinnati. I don't think there was one. I don't know if there was one person truly upset that Luke Fickle got hired. There might have been some Wisconsin or Jim Leonard fanboys that are all about, you know, Wisconsin and the program and staying within the program. That's kind of whatever to me. I think they got the right guy. I just think for him to start getting his players in, because he saved that recruiting class last year. Yeah. He got it back inside the top one thirty five when it was like 50. Like it could have been way worse. He did a phenomenal job, him and his staff, at at around this time last year. And now it looks like they're going to close on a lot of good kids today. I don't know. That feels like two good building blocks for your yeah. first two years. And and last year really wasn't even a, a full year recruiting for him. It was just basically trying to save what you could. Mm-hmm. I think moving forward, if they continue to recruit like this, if they hit on some of their transfer portal positions like the quarterback, I mean, this could turn into a good program pretty quickly. I just think we got a little overzealous and a little 
out over our skis yeah. with expectations for the first year. No, I think but, everyone else is like really reserved on it now. They yeah, like, and I, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm the same way. I, I'll see some of the guys so got jaded and burned. Tweet out like, oh, this guy just hard committed to the Badgers, and you know the the bat symbol will go up, and it's just kind of like, like yeah. eh, whatever. We'll see what happens. Eh. And a little little sour from the season, but I see like the progression. Yeah. I see the building Here. blocks. Where is this team going to be if they continue to do this in 2026? Here's Fickle and how they want to use the portal this year. Portal-wise, if, if, if we're going to do some something there, it's really to try to fill some spots. You know, things happen whether guys leave or whether all of a sudden you, you run into a situation where you've got young guys and you've got old guys and you've got to find a gap in between. Um, that's kind of for us the way we want to try to use it. And that's true. I yeah, mean, that's, if, yes. if you've been following our sports director, Zach Heilprin's player tracker, the Badgers have had nine guys leave the program. They've had two guys leave the program for the NFL draft. So a total of 11 players out, and they've brought in six from the portal. Now, unless they think that they're going to scoop up a couple of extra recruits, you still have to add roughly five more guys yeah. in theory. So one of the where we started talking was Tyler Van Dyke, the veteran quarterback coming in from Miami. Uh, Fickle talks and bringing in another veteran quarterback, Van Dyke. And whether that's tough for the rest of the room. Here you go. We want to continue to keep doing this and over and over again. No, that's not the objective of what we're doing. But when you've got really young guys, it's really kind of difficult to not say we're going to bring somebody in to compete. We kind of had that philosophy. We kind of thought that might be another year of having to do that, regardless of what we th- think of those other guys. I just think that you've got young guys and redshirt sophomores. The reality is, you've got to have some more guys with some with some experience to ultimately create some competition. I think in a perfect yes, world, you want competition. In a perfect yeah. world, and I think Badger fans yeah, would say this too, you? you bring in a more senior-related quarterback that's had some success, you're hoping you're getting a Russell Wilson for a year, maybe two, and then you're... Danny O'Brien. <laughs> you don't want the Danny O'Briens. You're hoping for more of the Russell Wilsons where he can come in and play at a higher level, but then at the same time, you're still getting you know, like your maybe mature recruits. Mm-hmm. You're bringing in some of these guys, or at least seeing if they can grow into being a starting quarterback for like when he mentions the redshirt sophomores, like a junior or senior year after, you know, the, the guy that you just brought in from the portal leaves, that's the perfect world. But we saw that maybe they did strike out last year where Mordecai was all right. And he was obviously broke his hand. And then maybe the other guys weren't quite as good as what they thought they were getting. It's a process. It is. And now, the, I think the wide receiver room was a, a lot left to be desired at the end of this year, right? Like, you're like, what the hell was going on in that wide receiver room? Like, I would love if Tyler Van Dyke came in and played pretty solid football next year. And then everyone's like, well, you know, you know, he does have a second year of eligibility. Yeah. But then at the same time, if he comes in and bombs, what if maybe mature ends up being like a three year starter and turns out like he ends up being like a top three round draft pick that would work out too. Totally. The more bodies they get in this room because it feels like they don't have a guy or I shouldn't say a guy. They don't have the guy. Yeah. The guy that they're looking for. The more bodies, the better, because like you said, and and said for forever, competition is going to breed success. At some point, you're going to have to hit on one of these guys. Yeah. And if you don't, well, then we're going to really start talking about the coaching staff, mm-hmm. whether they're the right guys, whether they should be, you know, time to move on. Here's uh, who the quarterback will be throwing to the wide receivers. This is what Fickle talks about, what they're looking for at wide receiver. Here you go. Take a listen. I mean, I think we all, I mean, guys are going to catch the ball as it can be done. But I think that there's, there's, there's more to it than just that. I think there's, there's a confidence level that you've got to be able to create when playing those positions. Oh, that's pretty well, dry right there. <laughs> you want guys that can catch the ball. And... <laughs> right, Another then. reason not to get too high or too low on some of the, the portal wide receivers or, or guys that you're bringing into the program out of high school, like think about the expectations we had. C.J. Williams was a four-star recruit out of USC. By all reports this last summer, he was looking like one of the second or third best receivers at USC. Remember, they had Jordan Addison that year. He won the Blitnikoff Award for best receiver, drafted in the first round by the Vikings. He's playing pretty darn good football for Minnesota right now. He was like third with that guy being number one. Yeah. Like he was legit. Then all of a sudden he played in his first couple games. And I want to say in one of his first couple games, he had like 60 some yards receiving as like a third, fourth receiver as a true freshman. 
Then the hamstring injuries came. Then he couldn't stay healthy. Then he's transferring to Wisconsin. But we got so high on that because of the recruiting stars and what it was. And then he didn't perform. And we're like, oh, well, this stinks. But who would have thought that Will Pauling, who was a guy that really didn't play at Cincinnati but followed Luke Fickle, would have came in and played as well as he did. Yeah. Like, I don't think anyone thought that Will Pauling would be the leading receiver on this football team last year. Yeah. No one thought that. It was going to be Jim Ray DK. Or it was <laughs> going to be C.J. Williams. Yeah. It, it was going to be one of the big, or it was going to be, you know, Bryson Green, who yeah. had had multiple years of success at Oklahoma State. I, I don't think anyone was thinking of some of these lesser coveted players that were maybe higher three stars that all of a sudden came in and performed better yeah uh kevin haywood offensive tackle out of royce roy royers ford pennsylvania nailed it uh four star offensive tackle has officially signed there it is thanks ben kenny another pa the the floodgates are opening let's go bring them in ben uh i'm saying we talked about this last year i know a lot of people are still a little upset that they haven't really nailed down the state but i think we're seeing this year a few more kids than than last year have been interested in Wisconsin. It's maybe it's not exactly how we would want it. But again, if we continue as in the Wisconsin Badger program continues to recruit Pennsylvania hard, I think we're going to like the success on the field. Totally. Uh, let's go phones. Line one. Yellow. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Hey, Corey. How you doing? Cloud nine, baby. Want to give you a compliment, Ebos, because uh, you're really good at getting callers into the portal here and getting us like that we know that we've been acknowledged so i actually do appreciate that because <laughs> sometimes you call in the shows another host might just let it ring 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 you never really know yeah. what's going to happen so yeah. i want to give you a ghost well thank you that. Corey. i mean sports talk radio is nothing without the listeners and the callers as well you know it's, well, a, that's it's, what it's saying Good symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Stay out in the world you don't want to just hear yourself talk yeah i don't right? like i don't like running people off air either you know that's actually quite nice to see. So, thank you. Thank you. Does today the day that the fax machines of the world get the dust blown off of them and they start getting used? For That's the correct. Still yeah. National Fax Machine Day. Corey, you are a Gen Xer. Do you still know how to yeah. run a fax machine, my friend? I do. Well, it's, I always re- am reminded, and RJ, you may remember this, Evo. This is like right when you were born, and this is before your time, uh, Rowdy. <laughs> but in Back to the Future too. They've got a lot of stuff right and a lot of stuff wrong. What things that they really got wrong was that like fax machines were going to be all over your house. Oh right? yeah, yeah, well, I remember that. Like, yeah, where they when he gets the, fired, the, the the huge combo phone fax machine, yeah. uh, right yeah. connected to the TV. Was it in two when he gets back yeah, when, when he, he gets, gets fired, fired and there's a <laughs> fax on? You're and fired. It goes to every fax machine <laughs> yeah. in the house. <laughs> hey, I'll say this, Corey. There's one. There's one guy in this building. If you have any questions on how to run a fax machine properly, you go to RJ over here. He is the fax machine wizard at 730. I'll be honest. I have no idea how to use a fax machine. I've never used one. Last time I used one is when I had to send stuff to the underwriters when I uh, was uh, getting my mortgage for my house. Government. That's the other Government, yep, radio agencies, and college football are yep. like the only people who still use fax machines. So eight years ago is the last time I used the, the one and only time I used the fax machine. There you go. You just got to devolve yourself a little bit back into the mindset of like, I'm in 1989. I really need to get this important document to somebody. How do I do it? And don't screw up the number. Don't screw the don't number. Don't screw up the number or else it comes back. Yep. And it's got a sheet that'll say transmission feel, et cetera, et cetera. Yep, yep, the one part yeah. they did get really right in that movie was the video phone stuff with needles. Yeah, yep, that's just true. Just trying to get him to to get into his scam, and then the uh, <laughs> and then his employer is like, "Read my facts, you're fired." Well, anyway, so, <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, just something I I wanted to touch on because that <laughs> reminds me every time the signing day comes rolling around. So signing to me felt like it used to be a lot more important because now with your ability to just transfer kind of willy-nilly, how much does it really mean that you, like, these guys get signed other than, like, you might have them for next year possibly? Because they used to be, like, the verbal commitment was, like, okay, that's kind of like the soft commitment where, like, you're basically saying that that's, like, the promise ring, right, for yeah. some guy <laughs> giving to his girlfriend. <laughs> that's the promise <laughs> ring, right? And then, like, the engagement route, it's, like, a soft engagement where, like, okay, well, yeah, we're signing, but the wedding isn't going to be for like five years type yeah. deal. And I might kind of like 
shine around here type deal. So, I mean, it's exciting seeing all these guys come in and now young Ben Kenny's tweeting about guys from Pennsylvania, so that's cool. And um, well, Corey, how about this? Your buddy, your buddy, uh, I think you call him Walkabout John Vagabond. John said half the guys that sign today will transfer before they even get real playing time. <laughs> hey, that's better than the wheel of excuses for Joe Barry. So, still working on the PR statement for him, but I appreciate that. I agree. That's probably like a nice hot take that. Um, it, I will. I mean, most of the guys that sign all over the country, they're probably going to ask them to transfer and be like, I'm not getting the playing time I want. I'm out of here. And I don't think it'll be unique to Wisconsin. I'm sure no. that we get that all over the place. We're, we're just hyper-focused here. And we think like the only place that has guys transfer is Wisconsin, but I'm sure that happens all over yeah. the place. So anyhow. Yeah, Packers this week, and I'm kind of like start thinking of the way you are, Rowdy. I'm getting a bad feeling about it. Yeah, what's your gut say? Bad feeling? Packers, bad feeling then? Like, kind of that, you know, you get that tickle in the back of your throat, like when you're starting to get sick, you're like, eh. That is the worst. Kind of like the tickle, you're like, eh. I don't know about this because, (laughs) like you said, it's starting to kind of like, sound like it's starting to fracture from the inside out, but... The offense can keep it together. I think they can just, maybe they can just elsewhere, Carolina. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, you got to sort of win, but like, maybe run up like 30 plus points and they win like 35, 33 or something. Yeah. And Corey, last question 3 and 0, 2 and 1, yeah. 1 and 2, 0 and 3. What do the Packers finish these past three, these next three games? I could see it being like that purgatory town, Rowdy. Like, it's a 2 and 1. Yeah. Like they'll beat the Bears and the Panthers. Even though DJ Moore says they got something special for the Panthers, <laughs> like, he says that all the time. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. He's gonna play like West like roadkill on the on the on the, on the road versus like at home. Anyways, all right, gentlemen, have a good See you, day. Corey. See, you, buddy. You See you, Corey. Well, like to vagabond John's point about all the guys transferring before they have the opportunity to play, and to Corey's point about I don't think that's just a Wisconsin thing. I think the portal has really opened that up to if guys want to leave, guys are leaving, and it's way more of a fluid situation now. Mm-hmm. But I also. There's like another side of me that I I can see it and I, I understand it because if you go through and look up the old 24-7 recruiting classes that Wisconsin has had dating back to 2000, there's a number of guys that you can go and look at those recruiting classes and be like, well, he never even got to Wisconsin or he got to Wisconsin and never did anything and never played. Yeah. So uh, that's everywhere. That's every single. That's every school. It's one of those days that makes you insane in the membrane. We got our guy Zach Halpern on the line, the fountain of knowledge of Wisconsin sports. Good morning, Zach. Hey. Good morning. What a day, eh? Fax machines get their busiest time of the year. Hell yeah. The only time he would use them. I can't believe they're still using this stuff. It's ridiculous. Hey, so last time I used a fax machine was like eight years ago when I had to uh, send a bunch of info to the underwriters when I when we got my mortgage. <laughs> Did you have to use a fax machine when you get your house? Uh... Yes, Damn. and then like, uh, yeah, I mean, a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, hopefully you don't have to deal with this anytime soon. But yeah, uh, sometimes with uh, when your parents pass away as well, oh. uh, there was some uh, there was some usage of the fax machine at work. Like I've I've never I haven't had a fax machine at home. We haven't had a fax machine at home since like the late nineties. So uh, <laughs> always have to always have to go to work or have to go to like FedEx or um, whatever you know office place. Yeah. To, to use it. So, yeah. Zach, uh, signing day today, obviously. How big of a class is this for Wisconsin? What, 20th for Rivals, Rowdy? 20th? Yeah, Rivals has them at 20th, and right now, 24 7 Sports has them at 27th. How, how big of a class yeah. is this for Wisconsin coming like, in, Zachy? Yeah, I like to use the composite scores when talking about it because it kind of pulls all of them together. So, I think the composite has them 25th. It's a, I mean, it's a huge class, right? I mean, they have it's, – it's right now it's at 20 guys. They've got an opportunity to add uh, a couple more today. They're still obviously trying to hold on to all their guys too. It's crazy time to make sure that uh, no one's flipping down the places, and there's obviously a possibility for that. But there are a, a number of really, really exciting players that maybe we even see as soon as, uh, as next year. Uh, give us a couple names, Zach, that we should be uh, keeping an eye out for here on the signing day. Well, we know it. We know that Braylon Allen's gone, right? And mm-hmm. we don't know exactly what Ches and Lucy's going to do. The other backs behind those two maybe left a little bit to be desired this year. So they have three running backs in this class. 
Darian Dupree is the one that really, really stands out to me. He's a four-star kid. He's out of Illinois. He's a guy that a lot of people are trying to flip here late. Um, I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to happen, but he had like 1,740 yards this year for a team that won the national or uh, the, uh, the state title and had 24 touchdowns. I think it was, he's a, like an electric, both catching and, and running. So he's one of those guys. And then Dylan Jones, another four-star running back. He's out of Maryland. And I think he's uh, one of the top, I think he's top 12, maybe top 10 running back in the country. So those two kind of stand out for me because they're guys that could potentially come in and help them right away. Uh, is there any concern of anyone getting poached flips here? Rowdy and I yeah. and RJ are talking about this. Like it didn't, it didn't seem like there was much out there. I mean, there, there are a couple of guys like Darren Dupree. I mean, there are, the whole thought, even dating back to when he committed, that there was still going to be a possibility because Alabama was was talked about as he uh, as a potential place he could end up, um, and they still don't have a running back. Though I think they're working on that, and the people down there haven't really necessarily been talking a ton about Darren Dupree. So I think he's all right. The one that obviously a lot of people are watching is Xavier Lucas. He's a safety out of Florida. He visited Miami this past weekend. There's a I don't know maybe a fifty fifty uh, chance that. They end, he ends up flipping, but um, I think Wisconsin is doing everything they possibly can to keep him in the fold. Those those are two guys that, that stand out in terms of flipping away from Wisconsin. There are people, there are a couple people that you could see choosing Wisconsin. Um, one that hasn't committed is Ernest Wilner. He's a defensive lineman out of Maryland. He would be the highest rated recruit in their class. He ends up signing. Um, a lot of people are expecting that to happen. And then Wanakee, the name Rob Booker, the tight end who initially committed to Wisconsin and decommitted and committed to UCLA. Um, there is some smoke around him oh. that he could potentially uh, flip back to Wisconsin uh, this afternoon. So Ooh. that would be a nice add. Oh, he's another big, I mean, he's a very athletic tight end and yeah. Wisconsin can certainly use that. Well, looking at the Wisconsin recruiting here, the last two years under Luke fickle, obviously year one was trying to save the class and, and kind of scramble for anything you could get. This is his first full year. I know a lot of Wisconsin fans really want them to jump into that top 20 consistently when it comes to recruiting rankings. And I think when you talk about the Darian Dupree's of the world and some of these guys that could potentially flip, you have to be excited about that because if Alabama is interested in a kid, clearly that would be a huge recruit if Wisconsin could nail it down. It may be a step in the right direction and what could become the future of Wisconsin with Luke Fickle. Yeah, I mean, look, they've they've had this will not be their highest ranked class ever. Um, that I believe was 2021 when they finished, I think, 16th. So they've they've actually, I mean, they they had like three classes there that were all right in the top 25, top 30 range uh, area, and it didn't necessarily work out great, did it? Um, but in, in terms of what Luke Fickle wants to do. The the offense that they're going to run, I think, kind of opens up even more opportunities for them to bring in some some highly ranked guys. Now, you actually have to become a competent offense to Oof. and uh, have some of those guys want to be here. But I, I certainly do think that Luke Fickle has a chance to consistently be a top twenty type of uh, staff in terms of high school recruiting. Now, are they going to be ever top ten? Probably not, and that probably is going to limit. Um, what they can do on a year-to-year basis, assuming they they don't hit the transfer portal as hard as they have last year and this year, every single year. Um, you look at the teams that are in the consistently in the playoffs; they are consistently in the top ten. And I shouldn't say playoff, but national champion, consistently in the top ten, usually in the top five in terms of the talent that they bring in. But this is certainly a, a step in the right direction this year. And I mean, if they had gotten and they didn't recruit all these guys, but there was a lot of talent in the state this year, and they didn't. Um, get a ton of it, and if they had, this class would probably be even ranked higher. But there's another great class next year in the state, and we'll see if they're able to land any of those guys because that would make it just so much easier. You'd have the in-state guys, and then what you've been able to do on the East Coast, which really Wisconsin has, I mean, a long time ago, uh, really hit hard and had a lot of success, in, and they've seemed to, to jump back in there with some of the guys they have on their staff that have connections there. <laughs> Zach Halpern, a sports director, joining us right now. Zach, then uh, looking at the transfer portal as well. Now, Fickle um, had a lot of comments to say earlier in the week. How are they going to go about using the transfer portal this year compared to the, you know last year when they were trying to have a lot of Band-Aids and, and fill a lot of holes? Is it a little different approach to the transfer portal this year? I don't think so. I think it's very similar, to be honest with you. They've already added six. Um, 
believe there's a, a seventh coming, and they are going to continue to to add. I think they added, added a total of 15 last year. I could see them being around that number again this year. Now he has said that that's not what they want to do, specifically at the quarterback position, right? Like you have you went and got Tanner Mordecai last year to kind of be a, a bridge player, and now they're bringing in Tyler Van Dyke to be a bridge player again, because he doesn't have a ton of experience in that quarterback room. So I don't know if they're going to bring in a quarterback every single year. That's what Luke Fickle said. He didn't want to do that. But when you have very little experience and very little knowledge of whether any of those guys are going to be the future of your program, well, then you got to go out and add somebody that you think uh, can get you through one year. And I think that's obviously what they did with Tyler Van Dyke. Um, speaking of the quarterback room now, Tyler Van Dyke, um, I, I think, Fickle alluded to he's not guaranteed the starting role, but I think that's where it's trending to. What about the guy below him who's coming in, Mabry Matoyer, God's little boy? Yeah. Mabry yeah. <laughs> Matoyer, yeah, he is a, a real, another Texas guy who apparently Phil Longo loves. Go look at the quarterbacks that Phil Longo was recruited at Wisconsin. Uh, Tanner Mordecai was a, obviously a Texas guy, and you have Nick Evers, a Texas guy, and Braden Locks, a Texas guy, and Mabry Matoyer is also a Texas guy. And he about six four, about two fifteen. He's a big guy. He can. He's a little bit of a dual threat. Can certainly run. I think he had close to seven hundred yards this year on the ground. He's got an arm that, and he played in a similar offense to what Wisconsin's going to run. Is it too much of asking him to come in and play right away? Probably, but he's and certainly this is going to be Kyler Van Dyke. You would assume, uh, but he is coming in early, which will give him a little bit of a um, jump on, you know, getting ready and potentially being able to play as early as he possibly can in his career, but. Um, seems like a good, seems like a really good player, and uh, he was he was a little more highly rated when he saw, when he initially committed to Wisconsin than he is today. But uh, I think Wisconsin likes what they got. Zach, I want to switch gears a little bit here before uh, we had to hit this next commercial break. Now the Packers, Devondre Campbell and his tweet. It, it, I'm trying to get a grasp on it. Is he coming after the locker room and the coaching staff, or is it coming after the fans? What 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 does your gut say about that? Well, did you did you see some of the tweets? Uh, oh yeah, that were like laying out exactly what he did wrong. Um, I feel like if it was the fans, or if it was if it like I think it could be on a number of different levels. Um, but they, it kind of feels like he's talking about the coaching staff, doesn't he? Yeah. I, like that's 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 kind of where I'm at with it. I know he could be talking about the fans, but. The fans, like, you know, you're not going to play hurt for the fans? Okay, you're, you're playing hurt because you get paid millions of dollars. <laughs> you're getting, you get paid all that money to play football. You get paid to sit on the sideline just because you're not as good as you are when you're healthy, whatever. Um, but I think this kind of goes along with Jair Alexander, to be honest with you. Yeah, what's up with that? Um, what's your gut saying about that? I, I think it's very similar to what what uh, Devondra Campbell's saying like why would I play hurt if you're just gonna when I go out there and I don't play up to the level that you guys uh, expect of me and and Devontae Campbell hasn't really played that way all year and I know he was hurt uh, in the Atlanta game but you know and Jair Alexander was kind of not getting toasted by any stretch but certainly wasn't playing at an all-pro level when he was out there and if he's gonna go out there and play for Joe Barry um he probably wants uh, to, to be at 100 percent because he's gonna get blamed for all the things that go wrong if it doesn't go well so me personally, I think you, those those two guys, plus probably several others, would be just fine with if uh, Matt Lafleur had pulled the plug and and fired Joe Barry. Uh, that's that's my take on it. Again, just a completely uh, yeah, yeah, outsider opinion because I'm not in the locker room. That's what I was going to say. Does it almost feel like because Matt Lafleur hasn't taken control of the situation as the head coach? and maybe pulled the plug on Barry or maybe ripped Barry instead of almost feeling like he's his buddy that's holding his hand, that some of these players would actually, I guess, respect the decision more and, and come out and have a different attitude. But because it seems like he's um, basically taking his buddies back here, they're just like, well, screw this. I mean, I guess, but they're also, like, I understand where they're coming from, but they're also professionals, right? Yeah. Like, you're paying millions of dollars to, to do a job, and you do that job no matter who your coach is. That's I, So that's where I kind of disagree with it. Now, if Matt Lafleur come out and just said, hey, fire Joe Barry, like you fired Joe Barry, promoted who? Yeah, There's right. Somebody on the who? staff that could be like, hey, uh, <laughs> yeah, get him in there. He'd be so much better. There's not, there's not anybody on the staff, this staff, that's like that. But I guess it's possible that if he had done that, 
maybe they would have respected it more and they, they'd be out there uh, playing hurt. And Devondre Campbell is. Jair Alexander certainly is not. Um, I mean, the guy, the guy's practice. He practices every week, and then he's a late scratch on it, Sunday. Questionable is, yeah, questionable, and then he, he's not even like didn't even travel to yeah. to New York. Yeah, there, there's there's more to that with, than injury. And I know Lafleur said that it was a um, misdi- not misdiagnosis, but in terms of like how long he was going to be out. Miscalculation, yes, that's what whatever, it whatever yeah. it was. I I don't believe that. I mean, he wouldn't be practicing if it was that serious, right? Yeah. So. It's it's a horrible situation. The vibes are not great no. uh, around the Green Bay Packers, and it's, it's so it can flip so quickly, right? Two weeks ago, you're talking about potentially getting the playoffs and facing off against the two seed that you think you can beat in the playoffs, maybe, and win a playoff game. And now you're sitting at six and eight, and everyone wants everyone to be fired. Exactly. The NFL again. Three games left: Panthers, Vikings, both on the road; Bears at home. Packers go three and zero, two and one, one and two, zero and three. What's your gut say? Say one and two. Oof, duh. Um, yeah, I mean two and one certainly a possibility. I think three and zero is very unlikely. And zero and three, I, I don't. I think it's more unlikely to go three and zero than than zero and three. But yeah, some of that two, no man's land. Zachy, you just never know. I know the head's spinning with all the signings, so go get back at it, baby. Uh, I see your awesome right. thing at MadCitySportsOne.com. Keep keeping track of it all. You the man, and uh, happy signing day, my friend. All right, guys. Later. See you, Zach. There he is. Our sports director. Milwaukee Brewers. Okay. This. Okay. We're talking about malpractice with Joe Barry being around. Is this not malpractice? A report on the Corbin Burns situation from Ken Rosenthal. The Brewers might carry Burns into the season because of Adonazio's, quote, desire to compete and to avoid backlash. What? What? Okay, Corbin Burns, yeah, Cy Young Award winner, great for the crew, right? Rowdy, if you don't move Burns, you'll get nothing for him coming up, correct? Yeah, I just don't get this. I don't under what? Okay, are the are the Brewers if they keep Corbin Burns, are they competing for a playoff spot? Potentially, yes. Okay, so I mean, the Brewers are always in that what that if, range of sneaking into the playoffs. If they keep the roster as is with Corbin Burns and Willie Adamas, at least up until the trade deadline, which these days is early August, this team in theory should be good enough to compete for another playoff position. And could they win the division? We'll see what the Cubs end up doing. We'll see what the Cardinals end up doing. I think they're at this point, they're clearly at least one, two with the Cubs uh, just on paper. But again, you don't know what St. Louis is going to do. They always feel like they come around here quickly. They're clearly better than the pirates and the reds and where those two teams are at. And what do you mean? The, the pirates just got Rody Tellez. What do you mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're better off. Um, but yeah, like they'll still compete for that playoff spot. There's wild cards. Could they potentially find a way to win the division like they did last year? Sure. But say they do that. Well, then you got nothing back for Burns. You got nothing back for Adamas. They both become free agents. And then now you have those two huge holes and you didn't get anything for them. I got Brandon Bob on Twitch says, then why did they get rid of Hater then? Why did they get rid of Hater? If, if, I know you and RJ were talking about this off air when this news you know, kind of came out from Ken Rosenthal. Does keeping Corbin Burns make sense long-term because they got this long-term plan now with what the Cheerio getting this inked up. I just like how we're getting so many conflicting reports on the Willie Adamas Corbin birds trade situation. Like one week it'll be like, well, the brewers are planning on having a fire sale. And then a couple weeks later, it's like brewers ink up Jackson Cheerio for eight years, 80 plus million. And then it's like, oh, we got another report here saying the Brewers don't want to trade Corbin Burns or Willie Adamas. I think we've had more reports that the Brewers don't want to trade Burns than do want to trade Burns. And then you have Corbin Burns going on Eric Kratz podcast like a month or two ago, and they're talking about potential extensions with the Brewers. And Corbin Burns is, is without saying it, is pretty much saying, yeah, no, I'm not signing there. Yeah, I'm testing free agency. I'm I'm getting out of there. He said that in so many words by not actually saying it, but you could clearly tell by watching the interview, he's done. Yeah, like he he's done. He was with done after the arbitration meeting. Yeah, he he doesn't wa- he wants to hit free agency, and I mean that's his right. 
Totally. I mean, he's waited this long and as But I guess it is the Brewers' right to keep him, too. I mean, he's under contract. It is. It is. But it's like it doesn't make as much sense for the Brewers. And I just I just hope that it's all a smokescreen where they're trying to, like, drive up the price if, if there's multiple teams. Because I think I saw from another report that the Orioles were a team that were interested and there was another team that I'm blanking on right now. But supposedly they were in trade talks with the Brewers. But nothing, nothing super, you know about to happen it's just some initial preliminary trade talks Mm -hmm. but i I just really hope it is because what are we gonna do okay do you think the common the 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 brewers fans out there would rather keep corbin burns for this year or trade him and get something back i think it depends on the brewer fan if they're short-sighted do you want to win now or a chance to win now or do you want to stack for the future people always want to win now yeah if if you're short-sighted and you want to win right now? Yeah, they they can win right now. They could win the division. There's definitely a real possibility. It's always it. exciting to win now. People aren't patient. But your team is going to be worse off for the long run for that next five to seven year window because you didn't get anything back. And I'm not saying that if they trade Corbin Burns that they're going to hit and you know grab two great prospects that are going to come in and play. No, prospects are just like the NFL draft. A lot of guys, you miss on a lot of guys. You miss more in baseball probably than any other sport. And also, if they have the desire to compete, as Mark Adonazi reportedly has, then how come they haven't signed a few impact bats? Yeah, right now, I think it was Jeff Passan put out a tweet on Monday. It was either Monday or Sunday, and he was talking about team spending. And the Brewers currently came in middle of the road in spending. And basically their only offseason spending was essentially Wade Miley and then a couple extra million dollars. Where it was, you know, some low level things here and there, but it was Wade Miley. The only reason they were middle of the road is because eight teams have yet to spend a dollar in free agency. (laughs) And some of those teams that would be on that list would be like the Cubs, would be like the Yankees. I think as general baseball fans, we know that the Cubs and Yankees will ultimately spend money before opening day in March. Yeah. So I, I don't think the Brewers will stay in the middle. If if you feel me there, I don't think they'll stay in the middle they'll of spending the, uh, the uh, lower part. We were, we were talking yesterday in the office because the Royals were actually one of, I believe five or six teams that have spent about a hundred million plus dollars on free agency signing. And I asked you the question, I go, who do you think is better off right now to compete and or in the future with some of the, the players that they have, the Brewers or the Royals? And clearly the right answer was the Brewers, but yet the Royals are spending $100 million in adding players, which I think is kind of irresponsible for where they're at and what they're doing. Yeah. But the fact that the Kansas City Royals, who are in a worse spot in competing than the Milwaukee Brewers, and their projected payroll is currently $11 million higher than the Brewers, what are we doing? Kansas City isn't no. It's not a big market. That's not New York. No, nope. that's not L.A. That's Kansas City. Yeah. And now I think that's malpractice by the Royals. And by the way, I have more World Series than the Brewers. But at, but at least they're doing something. Yeah. We'll see. More will be revealed. I, I, my gut says smokescreen with the Burns, but I. If you hold on to Burns, you have to sign them long term. And would he sign that? I don't think so. No. Ever like, since the I, arbitration meeting, he's like, I want. I, I could see Willie Adamas being open to signing long term, but I think you'd be poning up a pretty penny for a guy that maybe isn't quite worth that. But we'll see. Claws out. I did see a few, a, a few mock trades for Corbin Burns, and it was like some Red Sox fans. Yeah. And they're like, Yeah, we'll throw out uh, Tanner Houck. And uh, a couple of prospects, and, and someone comments like, "You didn't even give us a top 100 prospect." <laughs> and then the, like, the guy like that was like mocking the trades, like, "Yeah, well, this guy's like probably like 130-ish." <laughs> it's like, why would why would you take like a um, Tanner Hawk is probably like a Adrian Hauser type pitcher, yeah, and a 130th ranked prospect, and then a lower level prospect or two <laughs> for a Corbin Burns. Like, why why would you do that? Yeah. All right, we'll talk more about Brewers coming up here after 9. I do believe Jock will join us. I love some of those mock trades. 
Seems like the Packers locker room is kind of fracturing. If you look at Devondre Campbell's tweets um, and the Jair Alexander situation. Uh, Rowdy, I saw this. It was uh, articles about Joe Barry and the defense coming into the season. Uh, I'll read some of the headlines here. Packers, D.C. listening to players reportedly calling more aggressive defense. There's one. Uh, let's see here. Training camp preseason provide glimpse. Tre- training camp and preseason provide glimpses into potentially more aggressive Packers defense. There's another one. Uh, Jair Alexander, quote, we're going to get in your face. Packers Jair and Rasul Douglas want to lead a more aggressive secondary. Uh, one more. Um, essentially just saying Packers more aggressive coming into the season uh, defense. Barry will listen to his players more. What happened? What what happened? I don't think that you can say that they were calling more aggressive defenses this year. I mean, look at the past two games. It's it's not aggressive at all. They're like 10 yards off the wide receiver. <laughs> and if you are listening to some of those tweets where maybe you had people kind of infusing that you're being played out of position or you're, they're not playing to your abilities, I think that a lot of Packer fans would agree with that, at least to some point. Yeah. And I mean, we've talked about this in the past with some of his defensive schemes and the fact that he likes to sit in zone. I don't know. It just, it definitely, we're going to see how this turns out against Carolina because Carolina on paper has a pretty decent defense. Like they're pretty darn good at stopping the pass. So this will actually be a test for Jordan love. It'll be a better pass defense. They're middle of the road against the run, but the Packers don't really run the football and you have, I know Aaron Jones is back, but again, he only got 13 touches and not a ton after halftime. A.J. Dillon with the broken thumb, I'm going to guess that he's if he didn't play last week, he's not going to play this week. Yep. So you don't have a huge running game to begin with. And we're talking about the defensive side of the football where Carolina's offense stinks. Like a lot of people are saying Bryce Young is a bust. He stinks. And I get it. Roster stinks. But he has, like, the worst offensive line in the NFL. They were on pace, I know, a few weeks ago for giving up the most sacks in NFL history in a season. So it's not like Bryce Young has much help. You you think about some of his quote-unquote weapons. They traded away Christian McCaffrey. They traded away DJ Moore. Robbie Anderson left. Like those were some of their real threats. You have like Chuba Hubbard playing running back now for you. You're probably your best receiver at this point is Adam Thielen, who is a shell of what Adam Thielen was as the number one slash two receiver in Minnesota. Packers killer though, Rowdy. But that's the thing. It's like, well, if the offense is this bad and normally they set up their defense in horrible situations, that's why they give up so many points. It's not because they give up yards defensively. If this Packers defense doesn't show up, all of a sudden Carolina's offense can move the football and score. And then they still have a decent defense. That's actually, you know, getting some help from the offense. This, this could be a tough game. And if that defense doesn't show up, I wouldn't be surprised if Carolina wins the football game. And if if they do win the football game, Oof. I think we know how the rest of the season is going to go. It's going to be even more fractured and splintered. Um, I have a Twitter poll out. We have a Twitter poll out up at Zone Madison. It's just a gut check. How are you feeling right now about Packers versus Panthers? Now, everyone that's called in about it said they don't have a good feeling about this game coming up here in Carolina on Sunday. That they feel like eh, maybe the Panthers will get their third win of the season. But up on Twitter, 71.5% of the vote goes to Packers winning as opposed to the 28.5% of the Packers losing. Rowdy, you said you didn't have a good feeling. Uh, I don't have a good feeling either. And then the follow-up is what will the Packers do in these next three games? Carolina, Minnesota, both on the road, and then Chicago at home. Do you go 3-0, and 2-1, and 1-2, and or 0-3? Right now, 2-1 and one is in the lead with 1-2 and two in second place. You're kind of in that no man's land there. Now, if they win out, well, could, could we say that three and zero is would be more realistic than zero and three? No, I don't. Oof. I I think, to be honest, I think it's a, about the same. I, I might even lean to zero and three is more likely. <laughs> and the fact that we were talking about this stretch a couple of weeks ago about how they could potentially run the table. And they could finish 11 and six or at worst case scenario, if they have a hiccup 10 and seven, those two records firmly put you in the playoffs. Like you're probably 
a firm six seed going 11 and, and six. Actually, no doubt in my mind, I think 11 and six gets you the six seed. 10 and seven might even have got you the six seed. Who knows? But now that you drop those two games, we're seeing the fact that it looks really, really bad on the defensive side of the ball, not only with Joe Barry as the defensive coordinator, but now some of the team leaders. Jair has spent six games now. Devondre Campbell coming out on Twitter. You had Rasul Douglas before he was traded speak up. Keyshawn Nixon added to it on Twitter. If this defense really does fall apart, oh, what are you going to do? Like the team will just implode. Yeah. As as much as we're talking and ragging on the defense the last couple of weeks, think about the beginning of the season when this offense was struggling mightily, and this offense was was struggling to score twenty points, and the defense was playing pretty good football and holding teams to under twenty points, or or holding teams to respectable scores, which with a standard offense in the NFL, you should have been winning those games. If the defense doesn't get back to playing closer to that level and it's more of what we've seen or potentially even worse with the fractures, I think it's probably more likely they go 0-3 than 3-0 at this point just just from what we see on the outside. 1-2, and 2-1. and I That's purgatory because 1-2 and 2-1, and 2-1 and and what? That gets you to 8-9? and nine? Probably not going to be in the playoff hunt, depending on who you beat. Maybe because if you go three, no, you're in. If you beat the Vikings and the Bears, and you lost to the Panthers, maybe that eight and nine due to some tiebreakers could somehow get you in in a very small percentage. But doesn't it feel like if you lose to the Panthers, why is this team all of a sudden going to be you know six and nine and want to get up for the last two games? Yeah, right. I, I get their inner division and their rivals. But if you've quit on the season, I don't think that matters. Uh, right now, obviously, uh, the Niners are your one seed. Uh, Cowboys, two. Cowboys, Eagles, two, five. Lions, Buccaneers, Lions, three. Buccaneers, four. Vikings, six. Rams, seventh. And then if you extend it out, Seahawks are eighth. Saints, ninth. Falcons, tenth. Packers sit there at 11. Giants, 12th. Bears, 13th. But Which is crazy to say. With seven teams getting in now, basically seven to 11 are still in it yes, on paper, in theory. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it, just off the top of my head, I know that the 7-7 seven and seven Rams, Packers have the tiebreaker. The 7-7 seven and seven Saints, the Packers have the tiebreaker. By the way, they play each other Thursday night football tomorrow night. So someone's got to lose. They don't owe the tiebreaker with the Falcons. So that's one where you got to hope that the Falcons start to take on some water and lose too, especially if you're going to turn this thing around and start winning. And then there's the Seahawks where I don't know 100% head-to-head what that tiebreaker would be. The two teams didn't play each other, but they still have a game up on you. So it's it's not like all is lost, but it doesn't it doesn't feel like the Packers are all of a sudden trending in the right direction. If we're going to talk about some of those teams that are in the hunt there that are ahead of them and trending in the right direction, you got to look at the Rams. The Rams have all of a sudden been playing pretty good football since Stafford got healthy. Cooper Cup's, you know, 100%. Nakua busted on the scene. Kyron Williams is back from his ankle injury. They are trending in the right direction and winning games. You look at the Seahawks, dude, that team was like, I want to say six and six and two, six and three to start the season. Yeah, they're hot. They lost four games in a row. Then they had to play Monday night football against the Eagles who still needed to win out to for sure win their division against the Cowboys. Yep. The Cowboys lost. That would give them even more incentive to get a win. And now you're essentially like two games up on the boys. You had to start Drew Locke because Geno Smith was like a game time scratch. And by the way, the, and they won and, and the Eagles fired their DC. And they had Matt Patricia there calling it for uh, the defensive you know, unit. And what happened? Drew Locke put him down, the Seahawks down the field and got the game winner. And he had a super emotional interview after the game talking about how he never thought he might ever have this chance again. He always stuck with it. And it was a lot of the guys around him in the locker room that really stepped up and played well. And, he, you know, he loves the guys and they helped him out and blah, blah, blah. But think about that emotion. A lot of people probably had that pencil as a loss. Yeah. He was a backup quarterback. You really thought you're going to lo- uh, lose. You win, and now they turn around and they have to play at Tennessee. Tennessee just lost They're, Will Levis, yeah, Levis most is, likely. Yep. He's questionable to play, probably trends into not playing. 
Tennessee was just eliminated from the playoffs. You got to think they probably have a letdown the week after not being able to make the playoffs. That was kind of the last hurrah for that Titans team with Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, yeah. the last remnants of some of those playoff teams with Mike Vrabel. And they lost an overtime to a backup quarterback for the Houston Texans. But I'm, I'm going to imagine that the Titans are on a low spot there and the Seahawks are on a high feeling good about themselves. You got to like your your chances if you're the Seahawks and you're start, all of a sudden you rattle off two straight games, you're playing well. It's really just the teams in the South, like the Falcons and the Saints that are kind of prodding along like the Packers. But the Packers feel like they're the only one in free fall right yeah, now. Yeah, the Packers are trending down. Their stocks are down right now. And you have what's going on in the locker room. Um, well, I think this just goes to show it's you. It's kind of yikes right now how close the talent is in the NFL. Cause like when you compare the NFL to, to college football, you might get a college football game where Ohio state is playing Rutgers and they're favored by 31 points. If you see a, a two touchdown spread in the NFL, it's insane. Cause it hardly comes ar- around. You might get a few of them a year. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's not a common thing because all the skills and talents are so close to each other the difference between winning 12 games and winning five games is such a small margin. The difference between your starting corner and your backup corner is such a small margin on average that we're seeing when everything's not clicking, when it's, when it's off, even a little bit, you crater and they're cratering and something's clearly off. And it might even be even just that little bit more than the inexperience and the young players. Now it's inexperienced young players and now upset veterans. And that small little percentage of difference between the teams is now huge. And we're seeing it. You lost to the Giants and Tommy DeVito. You <laughs> lost to Tampa Bay and Baker Mayfield looked like Joe Montana. Yep. Now you play Carolina. This Carolina Who is coming off a win is coming off of a win. A terrible, bad win, but a win nonetheless. And they're not a good team. Like, the offense is terrible. They have no playmakers. Bryce Young is in over his head. The offensive line is garbage. If they don't win this game, I think they very well could go 0-3.